hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Do you know, I met the Paradise Towers writer, he was at Gapital a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and I literally was like, Paradise Towers has changed me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how would you feel if I did a one-man show at the end of a fringe of Paradise Towers? And he was like, if you want to. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I'm seriously considering... Scary you know, thing is, David, you could do it. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Louisus. <laughs> okay, well, over to you. Oh, robotic leaders. No, sorry, right, okay. Revelation does. Okay. The great healer has ordered you to listen to this commentary, the part two of Revelation of the Daleks. Back again. Part two, Revelation Daleks. I'm here with Joe Ford, who presents it. Who, you know, is it? Say hello, Joe. The Grey Healer has ordered you dead. <laughs> dead. Uh, and I'm, 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 I'm back again. Yeah, oh, we're going to have that in this episode. I'm so excited. Excuse um, me, yes. there is something you've forgotten to say. What's that? Well, you haven't mentioned the name of the podcast. Come on. Oh, um, Hamster. It's, it's, it's called A Bomb. A Bomb. A great big bomb. It's called <laughs> hamster with a blunt <laughs> pen knife. Um, I'm just gonna do what I do. You know what? Whilst we're here, I'm gonna do my other favorite quote. It's called hamster with a blunt pen knife. This lovely podcast. I'm gonna do my other favorite quote because how inconvenient. Do you know how difficult it is to get a good secretary? <laughs> <laughs> no harm in trying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, there's so many great lines in this, isn't there? There are so, yeah, there's too many good lines. But the thing is, is it, I would have said to you after watching Resurrection of the Daleks, uh, Eric Swall wasn't capable of writing a good line of dialogue. I mean, the dialogue in that is, you know, your bile would be better directed towards the enemy, David. Oh, I think what other, um, I'll just, I'll just keep saying stuff. Just, I mean. You know that episode would have been about twenty minutes shorter if we used Hunter. Yeah, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm convinced. convinced. <laughs> now look, you did say you looked, there would be no anecdotes in this story, but I'm hoping there's going to be one or two at least. There's still a few people oh, haven't mentioned yet. Oh, I know. I just I feel bad because I'm always just like, oh, I've met this person. But, well, um... Now let me tell you something. All right, everybody brings something different to this. Okay. Like Cy Hart brings his tales of youth to every episode, you know, and people come to expect it. Now you drop fabulous anecdotes because you go and meet all these amazing people uh, that have been in Doctor Who. Well, I've been doing it a while, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, do you know what? The other, do you know what I realised? So I was born in 1994. First event I ever went to was in 1998. You know. Well, do you know what, right? When we were watching the documentary on this, yeah, Mark goes, do you know, this documentary was made 20 years after Revelation. I was like, right. He goes, well, now it's nearly 40 years after Revelation. Oh, like, God. God, and I was five when Revelation of the Daleks came out. <laughs> Way to make were it. Were you? Well, no, Did uh, you watch it? You... Was it 85? You didn't watch it live, did you? 
if I ever came out, yeah. No, although I have a vivid memory as a child of a red room with like pulsing, and I'm wondering if I did catch the bits with the brains. I don't know what you're thinking about. <laughs> Anything's possible. No. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, time of the Ronnie? Could have been Time I'll of the Ronnie. I'll tell you a story oh, yeah, yeah. About the Red Room before we even talk about anything to do with Revelation does. I went to my oh. mum's right. I lost my mum a little while ago. But so so mm-hmm. I love remembering these funny memories about her. And we, me and my ex-husband, we stayed. She goes, Oh, sleep in my room. And I was like, oh mum, no, it's fine. Well, you know, we'll skip on the sofa. But no, no, she goes, I insist. So we go to bed, we put the light on, only a fucking red bulb in the in the light fitting. The whole room's red. And her bedroom backed on to the back alley outside. I'm like, oh my God, she's been sitting in the window touting for business with her red light on. <laughs> oh, she was a kinky mare. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, sorry. Do you think, do you think Tazabika does that on Tranquil Repose to get a bit oh. of extra cash? Poor Tassenbeaker. Is she the most it's 20... character? Is she is she it's like... 20 for a hand job? Sorry, um... <laughs> oh no. <Ew. laughs> oh no. Oh, so, um possibly. Possibly. Like I feel as if everyone's out against her. Even the doctor patronizes her a bit. Well, you've seen the performance. I like the bit where she goes, what's it got to do with you? <laughs> God. What's it got to do with you? Oh, um, can I can I tell you something that I read in a review about Revelation of the Dikes, which I actually think is a really savvy critique. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, they wrote that the first episode is all world building. Yeah. And not a lot of plot. It's just building up all the characters and the world. And the second episode is basically the closest the classic series came to a 45-minute new series episode. The Doctor joins at the beginning of the of the episode, so that's when he joins the plot. And then it's sort of furious action all the way to the climax with great sort of performance moments. And it's really stylishly done. Yeah, I would agree with that. And But I think compared to a lot of New Who and Classic Who, um, it doesn't, I was saying this in the first episode, it doesn't drag for 45 minutes. Mm. It just gets on it, it gets through it, and you have all that. And, you know, with a lot of Doctor Who, you know this, with the new series, there's so much put into a 45-minute episode that by the end of the year, what the hell is that? Whereas with this, it actually goes along at a pace that is breathable, but at the same time, there's a lot of plot. There's a lot of plot. And I and I do think a lot of the plot is contained to this episode, and it's a savvy use of the forty-five minute format. Like Definitely, you... and to um, add better things to it. Sorry, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Word, um, some great exterminations. Great, oh, some great. I am right. I don't know if people know this about me. When someone gets exterminated, Doctor, I don't want. Someone putting their hands up in the air and going, I want an Alexis Alder, you know? I want someone with their hands up in the air screaming as loudly as they can. And you know, I don't I don't want Destiny of the Daleks episode three woman. Oh, you know no. oh yeah, she yeah, just yeah, sort yeah. of goes, Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what Mark says when Tassabita died? He went, Oh my god, jazz hands. 
<laughs> she just sort of goes, yeah. <laughs> she does. She's yeah. um, you know. Whereas I want, I want, you know, I want Alexis Ale death, which is a great death. That is a great death. You know, that's what. And do you know what? I it want. has genuine because of those sweet scenes between Perry and, and the DJ. It has real pathos as well, and it's sad. Like this story you... has heart. Uh, it, it's it's a twisted kind of heart. But yeah. just, and some of the people that die, it's absolutely like just deserves. Joe Bell's death, whereas I think uh, Clive Swift says his uh, toupee falls off like a, the, oh, what is it he says? It's like a shell coming off a clam and exposing, you know, <laughs> everything there is about yeah. this stupid man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And Hugh Walters does a great death oh, over the top. Yes. But... And that's kind of shot between two Daleks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nothing, nothing talks like. Kara's. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just got so many great deaths in it, you know. Why, David? Yeah, I mean, what's I a pretty think... little box? What does it do? <laughs> what a pretty little box. Um, <laughs> it's 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 never going to happen, right? But in in an alternative reality, I hope that one day I'll get to be in Doctor Who and I'll read in the script. David gets exterminated by a Dalek. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm going for Alexis Alifar. You know, I'm doing a full script. You know, you don't I'm want to right you now, don't. you know, I'm going to get in touch it with happens. the convention people and I'm going to say, can we please put on Revelation of the Daleks on the stage and I'm going to play Tass and Beaker. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to play? Oh, the mutant. No. Um, who would I play? I'd probably want to play the DJ, uh, or either that or Joe Bell because he does the best lines. Um, Joe Bell, was it? <laughs> Somebody is pretty. Yeah, Shouldn't sure. be all of a fluster. I like pretty things, and you are very pretty, aren't you? Very pretty. <laughs> oh, it's so creepy! It's so creepy. He's so cringe, but he's very funny. And after all, that people that have been perving over Perry. You know, he's the she worst. Have a great season, does she? She doesn't have a great. I feel like it's someone perving her in every story, pretty much. Yeah, well, she's going to look so gorgeous. Gorgeous. What? Look, shall yeah, we? Perving Perry. Shall we into episode two? Nah. Yeah, let's do it. The pace <laughs> yes. is furious, but I'm sure we'll find things to say. Oh, we will. Oh, we definitely will. Oh, Can't wait. In there. Do you want to count down or shall I count down? Or, okay. did you count for one? I did count for one, so you count. For... I'll count down in Tassin. You bit. count for part two. Five, four, oh, God. three, two, one. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, dear. Oh, God. So I'm this mocking her, but I do like it. I do like it. Sorry. Sorry. What are you going to say? I'd say, was how great was this on the big screen at the BFI? Oh man, Joe, I already knew this was. You came, sorry, didn't you? You were there. Yeah, yeah, I knew this was funny. Everyone was in fits of laughter watching it. They were, they really were. Yeah, I mean, oh, it looked beautiful on the big screen. Beautiful. They were laughing more than they were during six episodes of the Sea Devils. That's for sure. Oh God, do you remember Eva the Daleks? Jeez. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> Blimey. I mean, I love Eva. No, I liked it, but seven episodes in a row. Wow. Um, oh, here we go. The, the, the polystyrene statue. 
That's right. Eris Ward was very annoyed because JNT insisted that there was a statue in the story. And Eris Ward was like a vice around my fucking neck. We didn't say fucking. Okay, so I, I had to put it in the story. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, it's, it is a bit weird. It's not really explained, is it? Oh, I can't remember. It, yeah, that's not explained, is it? Why? Because it's not his blood, is it? It's blood from the statue, but maybe it's the stones of blood. And that'll be a big finish, Wayne. I think it's just because Davros is a bit sick, you know. Yeah, probably. Well, he's, he's, finding, like, all, he's finding it all hilarious as he's watching. <laughs> yeah. 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 This, this, see, even like this stuff, this looks really great. Like, all kind of statues around in the big building. Mm. Like, it, yeah, it's really, really spectacular. He knows that. Look at that in the background with all the skulls. All the... Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go with all the Jeez. David, are you some kind of weirdo? <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> I mean, I'm... I love it. I love this story today. Yeah. This isn't, I know I've said this before, but this is another story I would love to have Like, to be in a story like this where A, you get the Daleks, B, you get a fantastic script. You get some pretty great lines. I mean, yeah. Oh, look, you see people in the building there. Is it, is it right the, I, the IBM building just going about their business? Yeah, probably. They probably weren't even allowed to film there. Do you know, we've barely talked about Davros in the. No, we haven't talked about Davros in the tank. We haven't talked about No. Now he's scary. And this is interesting because now Natasha and Gregory are kind of out of the story now. Just that's them kind of done for. And that that is very Eric's award. Although they sort of like they're in the cell with the doctor, aren't they? And mm. then he says, "Right, I'm going to leave you to destroy the incubators." So they've kind of got a function, but then they get just killed by a Dalek in typical Eric's award fashion. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He, he doesn't quite know how to get rid of characters, which is a shame. Look, at, look at how vast that looks. That's that a beautiful entrance to Tranquil Repose. Although that that bit that we've just seen. I've stayed in many convention hotels that look like that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but you notice the camera swoops in and follows mm. up the stairs. Like, it just has a way of visualising. Mm. May I help you? Because yeah. Graham Harper didn't think this was a bad performance, did he? That's, I think that's one of the things he says on the commentary. He's, he's a bit like, oh, I don't see... I thought she was quite good. I You're right on so many things. Like <laughs> Do you know what else I think is good? I really like Perry, uh, Perry's. I've called her Sherry and Kerry now. I really like Perry's costume. In Sherry this. Blair. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's a nice costume. Yeah, David. It's a sexy computer, What is your I mean, that's a, it's a nice touch, though, isn't it? That sexy computer voice. Yeah. Although, I was saying this. Uh, um, you know, my friend Harrison, who has done one of these, end of time. Mm. We're currently going through some bakery because he's never seen it. And I said, and this is so true, in Doctor Who, why is it always a woman voice? Why is it always a sexy woman voice when it's like an oracle or something? 
Because we had Underworld, where there's a sexy oracle in that. The Red Planet's got a sexy female voice. That's a, you know, we love a sexy female voice. Yeah, we do. And you're right. We love there's it. There's not so many sexy... Well, no, because what would happen is you get James Bree doing it or something like that, wouldn't you? You know? That what, Lord? It would be a voice like that. That what, Lord? Yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. Like this, see, this kills me. You can't even press a button properly. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can also access our personalised service. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the DJ. <laughs> so I'll be hearing from you. Okay. <laughs> I think it's it's a really underrated performance, is Alexis. He's brilliant in it. Um, oh, he wears lots of different hats, doesn't he? Oh, he loves to go this, this location as well. Mm. Mm. William Gaunt, we have mentioned William Gaunt as well, particularly these two. I mean, I think, again, they're brilliant. Two of them together, the sort of pickish, you know, side of Bostock and, you know, the brand. If you, you, know, you, if you skip back to the, to the, if you skip back to the late 70s, I think this character would be really overplayed in sort of the late Williams era, but he's so understated, William Gaunt. Yeah. You believe yeah. that character, and he's kind of got yeah. intensity about him, and he's got funny lines. Mm. I will say it kind of someone else was saying it's so interesting casting someone like William Vaughan in this role because then he was known for doing rather rubbish sitcoms, wasn't he? Like he was he was in a lot of those like rather but then to cast him in Doctor Who where he's playing the mercenary. It's it's a really interesting choice casting, and again a bit with Lexi Sell. I mean, he was known for the, the young ones and all the alternative comedy. So it's an interesting choice to cast him as a DJ. Well, well clearly Eric Award was fairly obsessed with the performance because he went on to do the Orsini comic books, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, he's still doing. I think, isn't he? Still, but I've not I've not read. Now, do you know there was one particularly dreary sitcom he was in that, but when I was younger I absolutely loved it I went back and watched it recently it's really terrible it's William Gore and Penelope Keith in Next of Kin I've seen the DVD cover of that and it does look dreadful <laughs> you, you, you and Mark seem to like dreadful sitcoms I've noticed yeah, we, we watch a lot <laughs> we watch a lot of bad telly yeah, yeah I can tell um, but yeah, no, it's it's a really interesting choice of cast, really. And look, things like that, I guess you've just seen it there, the shot of... He doesn't shoot the Daleks head on, he shoots them going past. Or There was a bit in the first episode where Nice Thought came into view. He, just, it, he does it so differently to other directors who... I mean, I would say Matthew Robinson directed them quite well in Resurrection. And, yeah. and Morgan directed them. But especially in the 70s, there was a lot of, like, the camera there, they walk across the set like, you know, they look a bit battered it feels like now they, especially Graham has made them a bit more terrifying, a bit more, more scary than I think they all, used to they were quite lucky, all three 80, the, the Daleks did really well in the 80s, you had Matthew Robinson Graham mm. Harper and Andrew Morgan and they all did a brilliant job of bringing them to life and, and I think they sort of got better with each subsequent story Mm. Definitely, definitely. 
I love the colour of them in this as well. I love the white. Sexy as I know, y'all. I was going to have a Dalek. It'd be an Imperial Dalek. Would it? Yeah. I'd, I always said I'd go for a Remembrance one. Oh, oh no, hang on. That is the right one, isn't it? Is that an Imperial? <laughs> hang on, have I just oh, said exactly... the Renegades. The dark ones are the Renegades. No, I'd want the I want the golden white one. Oh, You'll have the Imperial, so. I'd have the Imperial. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'd have oh. one of those. <laughs> It's just the bit where he goes, I would rather have your money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here we go. We're going to have the very camp line. Oh, can you do it? Like, he's a dreadful man, but I was the food supply for the whole galaxy. I mean, what she, other lines? She, that is, that is the line, I think, in this. She makes whole have about five syllables. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Jenny Thomas is having a bit of trouble just walking in a straight line there. Oh, don't. Don't. <laughs> it's oh, I love so... this. He goes, I'm taking this gentleman to see the great healer. Oh, that should be a contest worth missing. <laughs> <laughs> he is funny. I mean, he's a horrible, grotesque creep, but he is funny. Yeah, he is. He plays it so well. And it's interesting as well because obviously you know it's a thing at the time. Doctor Who by the end of the season has run out of budget, mm. but you don't see it in this at all. There's not there's not a no. single set where you go. Oh, that looks a bit cheap. Oh, that looks a bit. You see it in Time Lash, don't you? Which is old. Yeah, Time Lash. I mean, it's a bit of carpet in it. <laughs> but then I think I don't know. I think maybe Revelation could look as daft as Time Lash, but there's just been a lot of care lavished on it. Mm, definitely. <laughs> What's it got to do with you? <laughs> this is a really if you watch her, watch just watch her in this scene. <laughs> Look at the back that watch. She plays it's just so weird. She looks so lost. <laughs> She's like, what's going on? <laughs> oh what that, those golden bumps glow beautifully. I mean Ooh. Now that is, I mean, it's an unusual colour scheme for the dark. Do your golden bump. I beg your pardon? Do your golden bumps glow? <laughs> it depends how well polished they are. Well, I mean. It's yeah. very strange here, you know. The yeah. doctor sent Perry off with a sex pest. Yeah, it's not a great idea, is it? Lazy. It's not one of his most cleverest ideas. Uh, I met Alexis L once as well. We're just going to do it for another round of dope. Well, and I met him about three days after the London bombings. It was, London was completely dead. And I don't actually remember much about meeting him, apart from that I got a photo with him. And he was signing the DVD of Revelation of the Daleks. It's all I remember. And he's got the biggest fucking signature in the world. I've never met someone who's got such a big signature. My My copy, my DVD copy of Revelation of the Daleks, the whole thing is taken up by him putting to David from Alexis L. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing going over to people going, can you just find someone to put your signature on? You know, he's probably had a prestigious career. The only other thing I know him from, apart from Doctor Who, is that song, Hello, John, got a new mo. Ah, do you remember that song? No, I don't. He's going no. along the street. Going, I don't, I don't, I know John I, got a new motor, and he's pointing at things like going, "This is balsa wood." Oi! I mean, it's just him making up the song as he goes along. It's terrible. I saw him recently in an episode of Casualty. 
pops up in an episode of Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he proves yeah. in this scene he's capable of giving a, a good performance. Do you know, I was going to say, um, Nicola Bryant shows her comedy chops at the beginning of that in her bit with Joe Bell. Her timing is excellent. Mm. Then she really shows her acting mm. chops in her scenes with the DJ where she starts going on about being homesick as well. I really feel like they missed a trick with Nicola Bryant that they could have given her yeah. really it feels like... material. And I, and we were discussing before we started recording Mind Warp's Mother Fairy Story. That shows her, doesn't that? I mean, in God, that shows her range, doesn't it? And it does only feel like at this point they've started properly writing for her, apart from... I think that was what always slightly annoyed me about Sixth Fairy was they were always quite whingy. Whereas I feel like this is the first story that actually they're not. They're just here to have an adventure. I mean, I know they're a bit whingy at the beginning, but it, it I know what like you mean. It very quickly dissipates, not it? And then and yeah. then they're just working together. And in this whole second episode, I don't think they have one harsh word to say to each other. They're just no. both trying to solve this problem. And then you kick into Mysterious Planet. And you got those wonderful scenes down in the uh, subway station where mm. she realizes it's Earth. And yeah, the, the good material continues. And I will say, this is probably a really controversial opinion, but I don't think. Yeah, because I like being controversial. That scene at the end of Mindwalk when Colleague walks about his death, one of the best bits of do- acting I've ever seen in Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the bit where he's like, You killed Perry. Yeah, that bit. And he said, I have every intention of finding out what it is. Yeah. Beautiful bit of I think he's a great actor, and I, I, I do think there is yes. something in. I think he makes the best of some shonky material in season twenty-two and twenty-three. But he's a fabulous doctor. He's a fabulous doctor. But not only does he do that, but when he's given good material, and there's good material as well, he shines so bright. He's. I mean, I think he is the most underrated. For sure. For sure. And, and you know, it's a bit predictable to say his performances on Big Finish uh, have shown what he can do. But Absolutely. I would just say go what go listen to The One Doctor, The Pirates and Davros. you got one which is an out-and-out comedy, one which is a musical tragedy and one which is a drama. And you can see his range. Absolutely. I'm just going to pause here to say we've got our first death coming. And as I say, I love an extermination. And we've got to see what more could you want from someone getting killed? Well, and the way you put her longingly, it just says, it says volumes, doesn't it? Oh, and here we go. It's my favourite line of the whole thing. Just got to keep quiet. Go on. Difficult it is to get good secretaries. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but... Mm. Alive. Um, but, but no, you're absolutely right. And I think that's what I was saying earlier about Colin. I think he's such a great ambassador for the show. You know, he's he's always been there when the show was off air. You know, he's I know he goes to a lot of conventions, but he's always there for the fans. Like he loves meeting them. He's always supported in terms of when Jodie Whittaker was announced. He was, you know, one of the few people that actually was like, Yeah, why not? I've been saying this for years. And yeah, I, 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 it's hard not to love Colin. As even is. though he does wear Crocs, and yeah. even though I have heard those anecdotes a hundred times, <laughs> I literally I can hear him because he's a raconteur, mm. so he can spin a yarn, and he always gives me something a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, oh God, did you hear? Did you hear what Joe Bell said there? He goes, "You're a very naughty man, Targus." Very naughty man. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's really clever, though, because the dark in the background, and it's just, oh, it's, yeah, it's all... Well, and the eye stalk is so you're just very aware there's something in there, you know? Mm. Sort of twitching. Which, again, in a lot of 70s, they just, they wouldn't move. Yeah. <laughs> Would they? Look at Death to the Daleks. There's four Daleks, and one of them's just like that the whole time. just doesn't move. <laughs> I just I just keep imagining Jenny Thomason looking at Terry Malloy as Davros going, oh, that must have been a nasty accident. Whatever happened, you know. If she genuinely <laughs> thought that's what he looked like. Do you know what do you know what it is, I think? Well, I've got this new term, which what? is called the Barbara Flynn School of Acting. Right. Which is when oh look, this is the shot, sorry. Ah, oh, it's a great shot. Um, the Marvel Flynn School of Acting, which is when you have an actor say to the dialogue that they haven't got a clue what they're saying. By God, they're going to say it with fiction. Which is what Barbara Flynn did in Flux. There were, there were scenes in that where she ain't got a clue what she's talking about, but she is damn well going to say it like she knows. And it, you notice it a lot in Other Who. But unfortunately, Jenny does not come under that <laughs> in this story. Well, I, do she you know does what? So I'm going to make a, a small defence. I do think she does that scene we just watched. I don't think she. I don't think she's horrible in that scene. Mm. I know you think I'm mad. I do. I think you. I like Beryl Reed's a great example. She ain't got a clue what she's talking about, but she. I'm not going to say it like she knows what she's talking about. Joan Sims is another one. I mean, Joan Sims. Okay, it's terrible. She's, you know, she's going to say those lines and, you know. Sound like she knows what she's talking about, and you you do get it. You do. Get it. That's why I call it the Barbara Flynn School of. You know, it's um, the ultimate example of that, don't you? Yeah. Ultimate example of the Barbara Flynn acting is Jacqueline Pierce, who genuinely says she did four seasons of yeah. Page Seven. She had didn't have a clue. She had no no clue about no. science fiction, and yet she created one of the most memorable characters <laughs> ever. Yeah, science fiction. I remember when we watched Flux. Do you remember when we we watched Flux together at Pandorica? And I think I turned to you afterwards and went, "Well, we're never going to know what you're talking about." But damn well did it. She did it damn well. <laughs> there was at least five men crammed into your bedroom that day, wasn't there? Lucky me, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I love this. One, I love when Colin tries to take him on, and he just gets smacked to the floor. But then he's like, well, "Can I ask what you're doing here?" No, you can ask, but only a fool's going to get an answer. I was expecting an answer. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. So this is, this is the two best deaths, I think, in the whole thing. He wants you dead. <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. I'm his most loyal servant. <laughs> Not when you conspire with Tarkis. Joke. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> what you did? The place oh. would have functioned without me. It's already done it in the Daleks. <laughs> now I know you're lying. I already spoke to you. He has tremendous plans for this place. You lie frequently as you pick up women. Oh, so that's what this is all about. Go on, <laughs> let's do the whole thing. 
Oh god. Mr. Chobel, I love you. I've written my life talking to you like this. <laughs> oh no, I'm a little bit behind. Hang on. Oh, I, need, I need the subtitles. <laughs> okay. You've spent two hours alone in this preparation room. Somebody as impressionable as you should lavish a little more time on the living right instead of fantasizing with dead. Wait, I'm here, I can help you. <laughs> Do what? Do you honestly think I'd be interested in you? I had the pick of the women. <laughs> I would rather run away with my mother than own a fawny little creep like I you. Knew you were cruel. But even self think I would think for a fat, bold anything like you. Fat <laughs> me, fat my figure is the height of fashion. Do you know? Sorry. We don't, they, oh, come on. Don't you dare you stop now. <laughs> Louder. Come on. Great healer. Oh, to earn his favor, I have to kill you. <laughs> Get on with your work. I hate you. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> what's do you know what's really interesting? I don't know if you you probably probably mentioned it on the commentary, but it's interesting what Graham Harper was saying about he wants. To... I'll just take over. Joe's in a. There's only been one other time when me and a guest have done every single line in a scene. And oh, that hang is... on. Hang that on, is... I've finished it. Hang on. Oh, go on. on. Oh, why did I do it? You will be <laughs> That's an awful death, Jenny. That's a terrible death. Sorry. You guess, the only other scene that I've done line for line like that with a guest is... Romana and Soldeed in episode four of The Horns of Naimon. <laughs> well, I don't know. We did do a couple in Paradise, I think, didn't we? I think we might have. Oh, boy, that was so much fun. And Silver Nemesis. What were you going to say? Sorry, you are going to make um, a point then. I was going to say, Graham Harper, I think, says on the commentary, didn't he? He wanted to make that more... Um, like, more dark, that scene. Oh, they he? shot he said it, he wanted they? to see the syringe go... Yeah. Mm. It was like... But they said it was too much for the television because he said he was such a grotesque and horrible character that he wanted you know it probably to see the syringe go in and the liquid go but they cut it which i think it's a shame in a way but then um, maybe it would have been a bit too much possibly it does seem to be quite great i don't know why we're even talking now we might as well finish the episode now because that's being dead <laughs> the toupee falling off just makes that death flow yeah oh yeah but it's, well, it's no, you know what we've got still to come? This is a highly directional ultrasonic beam of rock and roll. It kills. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, bit of bloodshed from here on in, isn't it? It's like quick succession of characters getting killed. It really feels like the plot's accelerating as well. Like everyone's in danger now. Like mm. e sort of everything's been exposed. Everybody, they, they, he knows. Oh no, we don't know that Davros knows that Orsini is there. We still think that Orsini is, is going to get away with it. Mm. And mm. that's a brilliant scene when you've got the lure of the the tank. Yeah, the decoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, what's what's, you were just saying it a minute ago. You know, the, it feels like everyone's in danger again. Brilliant bit of direction, brilliant bit of music, because you feel like that they're all in trouble now at this point. I mean, even that little shot of the Daleks on the screen towards them, you know, 
builds up the tension. Well, and what I really love about that is then you get the uh, dialogue bit of Perry going, they're coming! And it really feels like they're a, a threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. are coming I to mean, kill us. And it's really nice that Alexi Sale's character is then like sort of being a bit of the hero now. Although, I will say, as much as I love Alexi Sale in the story, don't stand out in front of your Ray Bean. Where do you know they're all there? Yeah, you know? that is silly. That is silly. I do love that gun, though, yeah. made out of music. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. understand Again, how it works, but it's very cool. Brilliant idea. Oh, and we're about to. Oh, no, not yet. I think Natasha. Yeah, Natasha and Gregory Outland for this world. They're going to be. See, this is great. Yeah. This whole scene with Orsini and Bostock trying to kill the other Davros and the tank lure and him blowing off his foot and all of that. The Doctor's not involved in any of this. And yet, I'm no. absolutely riveted to yeah. find out what's yeah. going on. But I don't. But again, I don't think it, you know, takes away. It, it still feels like it's Doctor Who. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't take away the fact that the Doctor's not in these things at all. Well, just like Love and Monsters, just like Blink, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh look, Malloy's ranting now. I am Davros. He's <laughs> so great. He's brilliant. And the, 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 I think this is even more of a brilliant, the way that Graham Harper manages to generate some dynamism in the studio. Now, I said mm. he does it on location, but the fact that he manages to pull off an action sequence like this in the studio is great. Don't forget, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have had much time, would they? They would have had, what, a couple of hours to, to yeah. do? I don't know how it was in the 45-minute time, because obviously in those days they do, in the old days it would be four minutes, but they haven't got long to do that. It's impressive, but it looks so good. I watched just a couple of the studio trimmed, you know, the sort of the them preparing for shots. I mean, he's literally running around like a flea on a griddle. Going, right, we're going to shoot this bit. You turn yeah. that way, you turn yeah. that way. Do a reaction, let's go. He's trying to get in as many shots as he can. And I think, as you were saying in the first episode, a lot of people probably wouldn't have liked that. But because he was so high pace, high energy... They probably wanted to do the best that they could, so then they were setting up their game. Makes sense. Well, it's, yeah. it's interesting to note, isn't it, that the cast of Androzani and the cast of Revelation, it is two of the two of the the best lots of acting you're going to see in the show. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And even doesn't Davis credit? Davison yeah. says that he he thought that there just wasn't the the dynamism in any of the directors. He just didn't think it existed. Yeah. Then he met Graham Harper and he was like, no, it could have been there all along in, in my run. Think, didn't he say it had Graham directed it the season before he would have stayed on? It was only when obviously he it was kind of at that point. He's like, oh, this is what I could have had. I'll stay um, on if he does every story. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's, I'm, a, I'm quite amazed that he only did two, actually. I would have thought he'd... But, you know. Now, something... Okay, this whole thing about the president, yeah, and it has been sort of mentioned quite a bit. The president's wife, the stiff, is there. She's been injected a lot to keep her fresh. But the idea, isn't it, is that it they're inviting the president here so Davros can basically bump him off and take over. Isn't that, is that right? Mm. And so they yeah, have sent right. a message to the president saying, there's Daleks here, you're going to be murdered, get out of it. So essentially that's the plot over, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I mean, that's what, I, I don't think it's ever actually properly said, but that's what's assumed. Oh, here we go. 
How can you say such things, great healer? I am pained by such a remark. <laughs> you fool. You imbecile. I thought you were a man of honor. Now we both die. Satisfied! Satisfied. Do you know, on the on the new version, right? I don't know if you noticed this on the PFI. They put in a sound effect when the knife goes yes. in. Yes. It sounds like bones cracking or something. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah, it's that's a horrible death. I mean, that's I'm surprised that one got through, really. Eric's award says in the commentary, he wishes now, although it's great because her death is great with the knife, but he wishes um, that he'd had Kara just hold out to the last button and go, blow us up then. <laughs> <laughs> a great big bomb. <laughs> Thank you, Kara. See, Davros knows. Davros knows all of it. He knew Orsini was there. He knew it was a bomb. He's he's way ahead of everybody. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a very rare thing to happen that they kill the biggest guest star off quite not early. I mean, you know, still got a bit too, but you know, quite early in the episode. The way she holds her back, you know, it's almost as if a knife goes through her and out the other side. Yeah, yeah. Can I just can I just say now, the award for the best death in Revelation of the Daleks goes to Alexis L, for sure. <laughs> just you know, I genuinely, but it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a death that it's it's the death that we all want, you know. Well, and I, you really like you say you really feel for it. I feel really sad when he dies. I think what adds to it is then we cut to Colin and Perry is screaming and I think the doctor thinks that Perry's dead <laughs> at that point. Here we it? go. Ah! Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you this not think a... do you not think that uh, I think I think the doctor thinks Perry's dead because you hear her going, you murdered him. Why did you have to and then she cuts out. Yeah. And he has a moment and then he just goes, right, I've got to get on with it. I never thought of it like that. Never thought oh. like that before. I'm sure he didn't think, well, they're going to take her captive. They probably thought that they, ki- that they killed yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is this is another thing I've realised, and everyone did podcast. I realise how much I'm obsessed with people getting killed, Dr. Yeah, I think you mentioned it. You know, a lot of people that come with this thing are, oh, you know, I'm a bit disturbed. I did Pyramids of Mars the other week, and the fella was loving every death. Mm. No, I think Alexis L gets the best death. Do we have the a, a oh, oh, I do like Orsini's death though when he's stroking Bostock. Oi, yeah, but I'll be honest, you don't get a scream. You want a scream, you know, you want to. Well, he's dignified, wanna... <laughs> he's a knight of the Grand Order of Oberon. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true. You don't David, need... this whole scene with Davros. This is a great, mm. and it's two great actors. Just bouncing off each other, and it works that the two of them in, in real life are such good mates, such good mates. Do you know this? Do you know the story about Davros's nose and uh, nose and fingers? No. No. So in the scene where yes, it's about to come up with Bostock shoots Davros's hand, and it and he sort of like he kicks Davros away. Colin said that they he wanted to do a shot of it going up his nose. But they didn't get time to shoot it. But he says he still has one of Davros's fingers in his like collection. Oh, that must be he, rank now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
but he said, they didn't get time to film it sadly but he wanted a shot of the fingers exploding one going up he could sell that for a fortune yeah i know i know he hasn't actually but what what I really love about this scene is I think this is the best Doctor villain scene of the season. He just, Colin walks in and just owns the place, even though he's mm. never been here before. Um, Davros gets all this exposition. Oh, well, this is why I invited you here. Blah, blah, blah. I lured you in. Um, they reveal the horror of what's going on. And the Doctor shows appropriate sort of moral outrage, you know. Never in their worst nightmares did they ever think they'd come back as Daleks. Yeah. Did um, you bother to tell anyone that they might be eating their own relative? That is a great line. It's another great line. Mm. No, certainly not. Not if it gave them the opportunity to become masters of the universe. It's <laughs> called consumer resistance. Yeah. No, for sure. lesser people would they be left to rot? You should know me better than that, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's great dialogue as well between the mm. two. I think it's look, great. Another brilliant set as well. I think the set, you know, it doesn't look like doesn't look like a studio. It looks like the actual rooms in a in a city. Oh, it's so gross! Just the thought that this this sort of relief aid food is coming at people and <laughs> it's people's dead relatives. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's a brilliant idea for a script. Oh, Not that I'm yeah. saying it should <laughs> I was wondering then for a second. Yeah. Hmm, that's a good idea. No. But um I think no, I think it's a brilliant idea. And it's such a twist as well. Because you don't expect it. Yeah, but you know what the, the best line of... is? The most the most telling and it's still relevant today is when Davros goes, uh, they were grateful for the food. It allowed them to go on living, and that's relevant yeah. today in a in a sort of society where population growth is out of control and things are becoming scarce for whatever mm. reason. And it's it's a great twist as well because in some who you need that twist not long before the end to have a you know to to, to, to rank the story up. And I think that's a great just little final bit of my because you don't know what Kara is. You know she's the food supply, but you just think it's the food supply. You don't realise it's actually all the dead people. <laughs> but she's she's marketing all these dead people out of um And what's the wars done as well, he's seeded the story for once. So Orsini has come here with the bomb to blow up Davros, which is the bomb they then use to destroy the Daleks that are there. <laughs> And then they've already established that the flowers can be a ready-made food supply, so the galaxy isn't going to go starving because we can harvest it and farm it. So it's all tied up very neatly as well. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. But, oh. oh, God, his fingers. In the boss, Doc. Did you notice the Doctor punched those two guards in the nuts? Did he? Yeah. I saw you can blow the fingers. Oh, my God, those fingers on the floor. I don't believe it. But I've heard some people say that um, the Renegade Daleks coming in and sweeping Davros away is a bit anticlimactic. But do you know what? I think actually Remembrance salvages this because it does then establish that sort of hatred between the two sets of Daleks, which is then picked up. Think of it as a trailer for Remembrance, you know? Yeah, a prequel. There we go. 
I don't I don't mind that so much. I don't mind. I mean, also as a kid, I was like, oh, DJ Alex, oh my god. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it. You know. Also, in a way, as you say, it makes more sense because had he died in this and then he come back in remembrance as he is, in a way, it would. I mean, I know it's Doctor Who, but it, credibility would have been a bit. That's, yeah, for you know, once. Whether, for once, so Walt's thinking about it, isn't he? That's what he normally does. He normally has the villain die at the end and then go, well, I'm indestructible. The universe knows that. And you go, oh, yeah. I liked how, sorry, I liked how that Dalek just in shot there, like the the, um, the white one, when the others came in, was a bit like, oh, I'm going now, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm outnumbered. I ain't staying around here. Thank you for it. Yeah. Is, um, is the bit where the doctor goes to shake Davros's hand or lack of hands, the funniest moment in the whole story. <laughs> I think that's so funny. That and that and no arm in trying. If you oh, miss, uh, yeah, that's I a mean, great that, line. The lines are a bit cold, but I'll tell you what, that's so sick. He's just had his hand blown off, and the way that Davros <laughs> goes to it goes to extend his hand and then realizes and goes, oh, <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, oh damn! <laughs> well, the Dalek's a bit thick here, <laughs> Doctor. No, <laughs> <laughs> they don't care, do they? At this point, they just. Nicholas says that Colin said, "Doctor Who" in the rehearsal, and John Nathan Turner leapt up and went, "No." <laughs> oh, there we are. There we go. Oh, because, no. oh God. that's so funny. I hate dinner. Do you know, I hate things like that. Like, I hated it in the Moffat era when the whole thing was Doctor Who. Like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't Too much focus on the character. Yeah. So that's it. So we've got to get rid of these Daleks now. We just happen to have this ready-made bomb. We've also got Which a Perry, machine gun Perry and puts, a tiny bomb as well. I mean, also, that is the most dangerous bit, is in the bomb on the Dalek, so he decided. I was thinking, Perry. <laughs> you know, it's like put your put your assistant in danger. Why don't? You? No, it's like putting the battery car down the toll mine. It's like put <laughs> yeah. her in danger. Yeah. If the bomb goes off before she gets over there, it's only her that's gonna die. Yeah, like it would have made more sense had you know one of them shot the gun and the doctor bomb on, but no, Perry's put the bomb. And look, you see it in a minute, I think, when she when she does it, she's yeah, look. <laughs> she sort of tentatively <laughs> runs. It's a bit like Adric at the console in Earthshock when his nose is gonna blow up, you know. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what though? Doctor blowing <laughs> blowing out the Dalek eye stalk is great with the machine gun. Mm. I could do with a bit more of that, yeah. yeah. I know people are People object to the doctor having a gun, but I don't mind really. No, I love the whole movie. Is it? I, I liked. I like that Russell did that, but also part of it. Oh, that's a shame. Because, <laughs> oh, of course, we talked know, about the, that the at the end of time, bit. didn't we? When, when he had a, a pistol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Can I tell you something? Right, Mark goes to me. At the end of this, he goes, do you think you can buy those purple flowers? I said, why? He goes, well, he goes, I'll decorate the living room with them. And I went, I'm not turning our house into a funeral home. I said, what are you going to have next? Me on a slab? <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't been in your house. You're nearly there. 
David, thanks to you, Tatham Beaker is in my house. I know she is six <laughs> times. No, she's everywhere. She's can, everywhere. I, I haven't had a guest yet ask the question, why do you have that strange woman on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> you, know you know when you buy something online and it, you, you laugh as you buy it? Mm. That was what happened with that. I just saw it was so when I clicked the buy button and put my like details in, I was like, <laughs> this Someday I'll get you for it. I'll get you a gift that's just as evil. All right. Oh, can I just say, right, because I do, do find these endings where people sacrifice themselves terrible. Remember when Ko Shamus sacrificed himself at the end of The Timeless Children? So you kind oh, of yeah. remember him. He's so unmemorable. And it was just like so twee and uh, such a disappointing mm. ending. But it's been established that the Knights of the Grand Order of Oberon are very honourable. And so I think it works here. And I just think there's such dignity in this performance, it works as well. Do you think Orsini was gay, though? Do you think they were a gay couple? Could be. Oh, I would imagine so, yeah. He likes a bit of rough, you know? Tarkis and Lilt, you know? It's another one. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. They're talking about, Nicola Bryant's talking about this corridor. She goes, it was three foot long. They kept asking me to run up and down it and make it seem <laughs> like it was a vast sort of cat, sort of honeycomb of corridors. She's like, really, you you're testing my acting to the limit here. But that you don't feel that. Uh-oh. Again, when you're watching it, you don't, it doesn't feel like it's one thing. Just the way it's shot. Mm. Yeah. Spectrum. Yeah. You won't get that with Muffet. No. I like those pyramids they've got as well, um, behind the IBM building there in the middle. Oh, yeah. 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 Egyptian yeah. affair. Mind you, there's, there's so, they're doing the sort of Egyptian thing with some of the set decoration as well, and the peacock. And the ho- yeah, and the the body, isn't it, on the slab? Mm. Very Egyptian. Yeah. Shaking the camera there, original Star Trek mm-hmm. Yeah, it works. Mm. So where exactly was the Doctor going to take Perry then? Black, Blackpool. Blackpool? Do we think Blackpool? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, having just listened to the Nightmare Fair on Big Finish, they shouldn't have bothered. Isn't it boring? <laughs> it is, but yeah, it is. But... Right, the other thing I would say in this story, my only other negative about that is that if they knew that this was going on a hiatus, surely you'd film something a bit different to end it with. Just sort of going, I'll take you to and then credit. Surely you'd want to, I don't know, film a different ending. I don't know if just the TARDIS disappearing or, or them just, I don't know. I just, I mean, obviously they probably didn't know when they were filming it, but surely you'd, you'd find another bit that was more suitable. Well, I don't know. Weirdly enough, I feel like if you are going to go on hiatus or end a season, having the doctor say, I'll take you to. And then the possibilities are endless as to how he could have ended that sentence. That's true. It's quite enticing. That's true. It's a shame we ever found out what he was going to say, because just having the the ambiguity is quite nice. Well, it was it was filmed as Blackpool, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it, I think in the script it was saying, "I'll take you to Blackpool," led into the original. You know. That's very- the end. What is very odd is how he can be that 
understated and charming in that last scene there with her. Yeah. And yet we've had a whole season of him going, bad, bad. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, this just shows how good of a doctor Colin was. But also, and it's a shame that he. It shows you that this version of Sword's Doctor Who, this sort of more violent, weirder version, which which started with sort of Andrews, no, sort of twenty one, and then became twenty two, that it could really work. Mm. And that whole thing of, you know, Eric Saywood didn't like Colin as the Doctor. He was mixed cast, but he seems to have written him quite well in this. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pip and Jane Baker watched this and went, it's very odd, Colin, you know, you hardly appear in that story that you did uh, at the end of the season with the Daleks. And Colin Baker goes, yeah, Eric Award wrote that one. <laughs> it does take him a while to do anything of relevance. Yeah, but then again, I'm, you know, it's hard, it's hard to write a script when your two lead actors yeah. are in Panto and that's their, you know, I think I think that's that's the problem I have is people go, well, they're not in it that much. When you get told as a writer, oh, well, by the way, the first episode can't have your two lead in characters in it much because they're in a panto, which they shouldn't really be in. It is difficult to write a script. It's a bit like, that's why I, um, I always go to defend Roberts because people will go, Pennant Roberts is a bad director. He wasn't a bad director. Most of the stories that he worked on, they're there was something going on, and it's a bit similar with this. If you get told all oh, your two lead characters have to be in it, it's hard to then write a story. You have to write an ensemble piece, which we've you know talked about is brilliant. So, I think had he been allowed to write them more into it, he, he would have put them more into it. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure he would have kept them a little bit out the door. But and what. You know, the, know. the scenes that he does write for them, I think he's learned to write for both of them really well. So I like that bit where they go over the wall and he's like, mm. I'll be lucky if I can lift you the amount you weigh. Oh, watch it, Porky. You know, like it's really, <laughs> yeah. it's funny stuff. But they've also learned to soften their performances as well. So it's like the writing and the performance is all kind of sinking. Mm, definitely. Definitely. And it, I mean, it's a shame it's taken this long. <laughs> Yeah. This season for that to happen, but no, I mean, it's yeah, it's still one of my favorites. Well, look, David, unfortunately, you may think that you can go now, but you have the unenviable task of having to choose three reasons to recommend Revelation of the Daleks. I shall do the same if you start, Ooh. and then I'll have one, and then you, and then me, and then you, and then me. Off you oh, go. God, we've got to... Oh, okay. Well, I would say, firstly, two words. Graham Harper, oh. possibly the most, the best bit of Doctor Who direction in Revelations, are number one. Graham, uh, just Graham Harper. My number one is going to be Tass and Beaker. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Because, because I, I feel as if she's getting a lot of hate from everybody, and yet I think... Um, in the style, in the role that she's given, I think she's pretty good. In the role that she's given, I don't think she's given a good performance. 
but I think she's in a role where you don't need to. You just need to be awkward and pathetic. And she does it really well. And I feel, I genuinely feel sorry for her when he's mean to her. And especially at the end when he's really mean to her to, to the point where she kills him. So, and then, I, she, and then she gets killed herself for doing it. That is absolute, it's a tragedy up there with the best Shakespearean uh, tragedies. So, Justin <laughs> Beaker's my first one. Back to you. Oh, one of, and I would only put it with a couple of other stories, best guest cast in Doctor Who. Yes. There are not many, but it's one of the best guest casts in Doctor Who. Hard to single anyone out because they're all so good. But, I mean, if I if I had someone held a gun to me and they said, pick the best person in this I think it would have to be Clive Swift. I would be hard to disagree with that. But I would also say, Robert, no, I think it's one of the best guest casts in a documentary. You'd say Clive Swift, and then you'd start thinking, oh, Eleanor Bron, oh, Terry Malloy. Yeah. Oh, Alexis William Gorn. Alexis, <laughs> yeah, and you'd be going, fuck, Colin Baker's brilliant in it. You know, like, you're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to say then uh, for my second one uh, that I really like in the second episode how I think Colin Baker's Doctor and Nicola Bryant's Perry switch roles. So basically he's the one that is unconscious and falling all over the place and being beaten up and treated in a generally appalling way. And she's the one that is fighting the Daleks and making the relationships and playing nice with everybody. And I just think, I think Perry's written for really well in this story. She's got a lot of agency and Nicola Bryant is really, really good. And we're seeing what she can do. So yeah, the, the role reversal and Nicola Bryant. I love that. Love that. that should have been my number three, really, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to say for my number three, probably, this is the darkest Doctor Who story that there's ever been in the classic era. But by God, it's one of the camp. Well, <laughs> it's very camp. It's so camp. And it's it's that wonderful thing of having a really dark storyline, but having lots of making, let's say having fun with it. It's not having, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a lot of very dark ideas, a lot of very dark stories, a lot of very dark themes. Um, in a bit of a way, which you know, if you if you boil down the actual story of Revelation of the Daleks, it is dark. But having all those rather juicy performances just makes it, you know. Did you watch the behind the sofa for Paradise Towers? Of course. Where Janet and Peter said at the end, "This is a bunch of really amazing character actors." having the best time in the world and being camp and, and outrageous. And it's the same here, isn't it? I mean, I think this is a better story. I think the direction is better. And I think tonally it's better judged. Um, but yeah, Jesus Christ, it's infectious. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They're all having a well of a time doing it. All having a well of a time. And there you got number three. I don't know why I got on Somerset then. Bugger. Uh, okay, so number three is going to... Oh, yeah, because I never get to say this, because I think generally his music is poor. 
is Roger Lim, who, after, you know, he scored stories like Terminus and Arc of Infinity. Black Orchid. Yeah, just terrible, terrible, dreary wallpaper music, you know, like electronic hell. And then Harper came along and had long protracted discussions with him and said, I want it more instrumental, less electronic. I want it scarier. This is where I want the music. And fuck me, Lim delivers the goods. It's got a great score. All of those things we talked about where the pace is rising up, the music mm. does a lot of the work there. So, yeah, Roger Lim, you finally came good. Unfortunately, this is the last time you're in the show. <laughs> and Roger... Or if you're listening or anyone from BBC, please release this on vinyl because I would actually buy it. Yeah, I think release I'll... this music on vinyl because it's lovely. Yeah, David. Before we out, was there anyone in the cast where we didn't hear the anecdote? <laughs> Let me think. Under Bron, yes. Close with yes, yes. yes. Yeah, I met Bill Gorn, but I can't remember much about it because I was about twelve. Okay, your parents' friend. Uh... My parents, lovely friends. Yeah. Uh, Royce Mills, who's the night we're in them all. <laughs> Not that there are many nice stories about this cast particularly. <laughs> well, I swear, um, I'll tell you what, I've got, I've got one story of somebody in this who I think is just the most delightful person in all of Doctor Who, and that's Graham Harper, yeah. who is just dazzling at conventions he's, and he's so warm and friendly and for a man that talented who's done such good work you know you really don't need to be but he, no. he just is a nice but i remember a story that barry Letts told that graham harper came up to him as he was doing the director's course and he's like i really wanted to go and do the director's course but i don't want to be an arsehole i don't want to be a bastard and so many directors are just horrible and barry Letts said to him graham you can be a fantastic director and you can be a nice guy and having met him in person, just briefly, where I got to say, I think you're brilliant. Um, I said, and I think the work you did with Rusty Davis's Doctor Who was just astonishing. And he went, oh, well, Russell does have my number, you know, if he is coming back. Um, <laughs> he is a really nice bloke. Like, he is. none of the good work he did, like, changed his personality at all. He's just a top guy. He He's someone that you can listen to for hours. Because he's always so enthusiastic about what he talks about. It's, it's it's so infectious when he talks at conventions about stuff. And you can listen to him for hours and he's always so interested in you, talking to you. And, and in fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Capitol, the Doctor Who that was run, and they hand out awards for Lifetime Achievement for Doctor Who. There were three given weekend. Graham Harper got one of them. And... Right. Thoroughly deserved, and it was so lovely to see him quite tearful about it. Because, yeah, he thoroughly deserves it. Because he is—he's a—he's a great—he's a great guy. Lovely, lovely man. Well, then I have one final question for you before we say goodbye, and that is: Do you like Matt Smith as the Doctor? I d yeah, I do. I do. Okay. What's your favourite Matt Smith episode? You know the answer to this. What? <laughs> Symbiotic, you might say. <laughs> oh, no bugger it. Someone's nabbed that one. What's your second favourite Matt Smith episode? Day of the Doctor? 
Okay, so I'm taking that one too. I've got so many Matt Smith episodes that I need to do a recording spot. You've taken like you've mentioned one of about five that have been done. Which ones do you need to get? Which ones? Literally, there's a, there is literally tons. <laughs> um, um, okay. The Beast Below. What about that one? No, that's still that's still available. Oh well, do you know my favourite Matt Smith story <laughs> is the Beast Below. Is it now? <laughs> Well, let me tell you, it just so happens to be available. Well, is it think, really? The next time we reconvene them, I'm going to be intrigued to know why you like that one so much, because I'm a bit iffy with that one. Are you? Mm. Are you? Well, I can't think of many other good Matt Smith episodes, if I'm honest. It's about a whale in outer space, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was terrible. Well, look, you and I, if you're up for it, we'll reconvene for the Beast Below. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Or any, any other Matt Smith stories that happen to be my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you say, I'm the bloody queen, mate. And basically, basically Joe, tell me what's... Tell me which stories you want to do or haven't done. And they'll be my favourite. It's fine. Oh, OK. Right. I'll send you a list then, all right? <laughs> as, as, long as, it's not, as long as it's not time with the Doctor, I'm not sitting through that again. Oh, no, that's I did that with Fraser. Ooh, Somehow he managed to go on for two hours about how amazing it was. I was very patient with him. What? Which one? Which one? Oh, the doctor. Oh no, it's a, a blimey, isn't it? Yeah, let's go hit that as well. <laughs> yeah, I did that one recently as well. The pain I put myself through for this podcast. I don't know how you do it. Well. So, I tell you what. Ask me. Ask me my favorite Stephen Moffat story. What's your favorite Stephen Moffat story? Curse of Fatal Death. Oh, it's yours. <laughs> but no, that does just leave me to say thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your anecdotes. I love to hear them. <laughs> and you always bring such energy and humour to these things. It's such a delight. So thank oh, you very much. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, we love a bit of revelation, Alex, don't we? You can't be. But no, it's been it's been a joy. And I hope people listening to this <laughs> just love our impressions that are incredibly accurate and are wonderful. They've got to be fucking indulgent with us to love them because they're putting <laughs> <of> them. <laughs> <laughs>